Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Geekscapists. Did you miss me? It's your host, Jonathan London, and this is Geekscape. Uh, if this is your first Geekscape, well, hi, I'm Jonathan, filmmaker, podcaster, storyteller, and I created Geekscape way back in 2006 to talk to fellow storytellers. Sometimes they're actors, sometimes they're directors, sometimes they're people from the world of video games or movies, TV, and in this case, we're going to be talking a whole lot of tabletop uh, because my friend Jonathan G. Nelson, he's got a brand new, uh, it's a campaign, it's an adventure, it's got all sorts of multimedia uh, as part of it that is really exciting and I'm excited for him to tell you about it. It's called Roltmork and um, and I'm stoked. I'm stoked to be talking RPGs on the game uh, or on the show because uh, you might know Jonathan from Rise of the Drow, some of the other campaigns that he's created. Um, and if you're versed in D&D, I think he's, he's going to have to correct me because we cover a lot of topics here on Geekscape. So I like to say that we're... Um, about a mile wide and an inch thick on all the topics, right? Um, it, sometimes I impress myself. I'm like, wow, I know some deep cuts in, in film or TV. But uh, Jonathan's the expert. That's what we bring you every week here at Geekscape. We bring you experts in their fields. And Jonathan is the expert in tabletop RPGs. He's got a company called AAW Games. They put out weekly campaigns that you can subscribe to. They are... Um, they're pretty exciting actually. And, uh, and I love collaborating with them here on Geekscape and having Jonathan on the show to tell you more about it. Um, where have I been? I know I missed last week. I got to apologize about that. Um, I'm still a filmmaker. (laughs) It's still something that takes up a lot of my time. And last week on Tuesday, uh, someone called and said, Hey, can, um, you should a commercial on Friday. It had quite a budget. So, uh, yeah, we produced a commercial in two, two days and we put it up on Friday and we, I think we knocked it out of the park for the client. Uh, they were pretty excited about it. Is it anything that's like Geekscape adjacent pop culture? Not really. No, <laughs> I guess Geekscape is going about their geek lives in their geek interests. Probably will never see the campaign, but did I enjoy it? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty fun to like get a call on a Tuesday to, uh, help a company out that needs an ad campaign and, sh- but it has to shoot Friday because there's dates, things like that, um, that they have to satisfy for their company. And, um, and it's, it's fun to play hero a bit and come in and, uh, and bring in actors and bring in photographers and stay, find a stage. And it was a lot of work, but it's fun to play hero and, and get that pulled off. Uh, I did take this last weekend. I hope you had a good holiday weekend. I did take the weekend and see some movies. Uh, I watched no hard feelings with Jennifer Lawrence. It was pretty funny. I enjoyed it. Um, and I, I thought it was fun. It was really fun. It reminded me of like the kind of movies like John Cusack would make in the eighties. Um, that was a lot of fun. And then, uh, I, I saw Indy five, the, the Indiana Jones and the dial and destiny and, and the mixed reviews and all this stuff. Like, I watched the movie and I think that I saw the exact movie that James Mangold and Steven Spielberg intended for me to see. I was into this movie from the very beginning to the very end. I thought it was a blast. There are some places where you're like, oh, it's getting a little long or maybe it's a little shaky. But no, the next scene or the next moment brought me right back in. 
what do you want? What do you want, Geekscapists? You've got an Indiana Jones adventure. And I'm saying, like, I know. We've been burned before. As geeks, these franchises that built us when we were kids, that we that endeared us, that maybe turned us into geeks, um, it's not always an upward trajectory. Uh, you're not always going to get a win or a home run. But that thing that maybe isn't working for you is a win and a home run for somebody. Something that I learned a long time ago uh, is that whether or not you like it, every comic book is somebody's first comic book. And that might mean that it's their favorite comic book. So I'm telling you that I really, really, really dug Dial of Destiny. I thought it was a blast. And uh, you might be like, hey, I'm a big Crystal Skull fan. (laughs) You know what? We don't have to agree. It's all good. We're all here on Geekscape. We're all geeks. We're all having the conversation. And that's what this show is all about. Uh, There's a lot coming down the pipe. I'm just going to go ahead and warn you. Comic-Con's in like in three weeks. Am I prepared? No. Are we going to see a lot of ex-Geekscape guests and friends at the Geekscape booth there? 3919, that's the number of the booth at San Diego. Yeah, we're going to see a ton of guests. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, We have a pretty awesome panel. I don't think Comic-Con has announced their schedule yet, but as soon as they do, watch the Geekscape spaces. You're going to see us announce our panel for Saturday night at 530. That's when it is. Um, It's not a Geekscape-centric panel, but it's got a lot of Geekscape X guests on it, and it's a lot of fun, and I love the topic. And some of these people haven't been on Geekscape, and I'm so glad that they're going to be a part of it. And if you can't make it to Comic-Con, subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, because I'm going to take the audio from that panel, and I'm putting it on this feed. So you're going to hear the panel whether or not you're in San Diego or not. Um, there's going to be a lot of stuff recorded in San Diego that might not just end up on this show, but across the network. We have like 30 shows on the Geeks Game Network, ranging from everything from video games, TV, to comics, um, to wrestling, <laughs> to music. Um, you know, what? like I can't, again, like this this flagship show, mile wide, inch deep. I cover all the things that I'm passionate about, but the guests, the experts, they're the ones doing the heavy lifting. And I'm excited to uh, talk to Jonathan G. Nelson about tabletop role playing and being a DM and writing Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder adventures and all the cool multimedia stuff that's going on here with this brand new adventure role mark and how you can get your hands on it and play with your friends and have a blast. Uh, it's all coming up on Geekscape. So thank you so much for making this a listen that you sit through today. And I won't waste your time. Let's get right to it. All right, Geekscapists, let's talk some tabletop role-playing games. And I got to tell you, I mentioned that uh, I just kind of briefly threw you my Indiana Jones thoughts. If you want more, I believe Christian Blatt of the Geekscape Book Club and Marvel Movie Talk is putting together uh, a panel. He's asked me to be on it. We'll see if time allows me to. But he's going to, you know, he has these podcasts that are like super long, super in-depth, a panel of people talking about a specific subject. He intends to do Dial of Destiny, and if I have a chance, I'll be on it because, again, I enjoyed the movie. I think it's an interesting movie because I, I like it when 
when franchises that you expect should taste a certain flavor spice things up and take risks because if they don't they don't progress and uh i remember the lead singer of my favorite band the mr t experience you're like who the mr t experience google them you're gonna be like wow this is jonathan in high school and in college they put out a uh, when i was in college they put out an album that um, I don't know. It, it kind of cooled. The audience wasn't into it. It was their Pinkerton, right? When Weezer had that second album, Pinkerton, people were like, oh, what's this? Um, but now everybody looks back and I'm like, oh, Pinkerton's genius. And I look back at this specific album, Alcatraz, and I'm like, yeah, this is this is a, a great album. And I remember Dr. Frank, who's been on Geekscape, the lead singer of the Mr. T Experience, telling me I, I'd, I felt like I'd made the same album twice. I couldn't make that album a third time hence Alcatraz, which bent a lot of things. And some people think bent it till it broke. I don't, I think, I think it was awesome. And I, I, I'm a sucker for their music. So, uh, I'm throwing a lot at you. Let me just actually throw you our guest, uh, Jonathan G. Nelson, again, the head of AW games. And I'm just gonna let him talk tabletop role-playing because I'm out of my depth here. <laughs> Jonathan, take it from here. <laughs> How are you, man? Good, and it's great to uh, be on a show with another Jonathan. Yeah, <laughs> we're cloning uh, the, us over here. The, 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 the Geekscapers are listening to this, being like, "No, nah, there's enough Jonathan on the show. <laughs> it's a little too much, Jonathan, already with Jonathan." <laughs> but uh, you're the Jonathan that we're going to say is the knowledgeable Jonathan, who, uh, especially when it comes to tabletop RPGs, uh, when I got the solicitation for Rotemark and uh, Liz, your your um, PR person was like, do you ever cover gaming? Uh, in a sense, we don't because of the, well, we do, we do, we do. We talk a lot of gaming, but the time is so intensive in investing in gaming. And especially when you're playing with people and I know people are playing on discords and people are finding different ways to play remotely tabletop. But ultimately like the biggest challenge isn't the stuff in the dungeon when it comes to playing D and D or any tabletop game. It's the scheduling. It's getting together with your friends and finding yeah. a dedicated time to get together. I know that's what what's cost me my games. Like uh, Keith Trailins, who who used to be my DM, he moved to, to he moved away, and there went my DM. And finding another DM and their schedule, it it takes quite the uh, quite the party to put together to um, to do this consistently. So I've never really been able to keep up with it in the same consistency that I do comics or movies or TV and video games and things like that. Um, how did you get into D and D, especially to this depth? Like what is your origin story, Jonathan? Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about that. But first I have to say that it was really refreshing hearing you talk about the Mr. T experience because that was one of my <laughs> bands in high school too. Still um, one of my bands. I still love yeah, the Mr. Yeah. T experience. No, me so too. Much. I, I, I was just doing yard work the other day and turning on a bunch of little pop punk and stuff like that that I used to listen to back in the day. So, I mean, um, I, I showed up to the shoot early on Friday, on Friday. Again, like that, the, the shoot last week was pretty stressful because it did come to me on Tuesday and we did have to produce it in two days. And, and I think that we crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's and we, we were showing up at the studio and about an hour before we, we were supposed to start shooting, I sat in a Starbucks with a comic book and, um, wanted to collect my thoughts and the best way to do it is have some visual medium like a comic mm-hmm. if i'm going to be making something visual that day and but i need something with a little bit of sound a little bit of pop because it's also audible and uh i listened to chicks dig it remember that awesome. band from yeah canada? chicks dig yeah. it from canada yeah, yeah. <laughs> i put on we, a chicks dig it album here on tour <laughs> man i'd love to see them live never seen them live so geeks gave us look like how the geeks are getting along the jonathans are of yeah. one mind yeah <laughs> No, right, the sorry. Is, no, the thing is, is yeah. what you're talking about. You're talking about you're talking about um, film, 
comics. I mean, seriously, like this is all the stuff that I grew up on, you know, and all of these things influence all of what we create. You know, it's like no one just creates something out of thin air. Everything we create came from inspiration of different things, you know? And so it's, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's really, really cool that, that you're welcoming into this, into this podcast. And even though you typically, you know, deal with other items in geek culture, it does all kind of marry together. You know, it creates like this, this deep marinade. And a lot of my friends that I started gaming with back in the day, and, and I'll give you the quick story is I started gaming when I was about eight or nine years old. It was a, a tip kind of semi-typical introduction to Dungeons and Dragons and that a friend's uncle, aunt and uncle came and dropped off the uh, red box, the old Larry Elmore artwork. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so romantic to me. Those, those yeah. old boxes with the TSR logos. I know I them. the weird colored dice, you know, the multicolored dice or multi-sided dice. And we're like, wow, what is this game? You know? And of course we're like, when we're kids, you're just trying to figure out, well, what do we even do? How do we even start playing? And I immediately saw, as soon as I saw there was a dungeon master and that's the person that's kind of like the narrator of the story. I knew immediately. I'm like, that's what I want to do for sure. I, cause I don't want to just be a player. No offense to players, because I also like to play. But as a DM, you get to not only tell the story, but you get to play a myriad of characters. So that means I don't just have to be the bartender. I also get to be maybe somebody giving a quest, or I get to be this angry kobold in the dungeon or whatever. You know, it's like um, there's something really cool to me about acting that all out. And I've always kind of been a closet actor. um, And that was the way I got I, I was able to get out there and kind of like do different accents and get up and move around the room. I've actually been known to injure myself DMing because I get <laughs> so yourself. into it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Some of my, some of my friends, the first time they DM with me, like they saw stories like, man, I couldn't believe it. I came to DM with this guy and all of a sudden he's explained this fight, the sword fight, and he's jumping and slamming into the wall and he falls on the ground and he's, I'm wondering if he's okay. And then he gets up. You know, it's like, I, I, I get into it. You know, I get into the stories that I tell and I like to immerse my players um, and make them feel as if they can do anything in the world they're adventuring in. They're not on some railroad that's specifically going down this predetermined path that I've created for them. And so I, and of course that's difficult, right? Especially to try and open something up, like tell a story and give it to a wide audience. That's always the difficult thing. You play test something at home, like with I have my home group, which those guys all like cut their teeth back in the day with like Peter Atkinson and a lot of people that started uh, Wizards of the Coast yeah. Uh, these guys all game together. And so these guys are all like veterans who have done everything, including fought, you know, they battled the gods in the plains of 30th something level characters back in the day. You know, it's like these guys have done everything. So it's like, how do I keep things new and fresh and exciting for this group that's kind of done it all and, and still make them feel like they're at the wheel, you know, so that this, and, and then translate that and make and continue to craft my stories in such a way that you can put that I can put them out there for a wider audience and still allow DMs to sit down at their own table and tell the story and let it unfold in their own way. I want I, I want to always allow that freedom of um, it's the difference of sitting and watching a movie or um, it's it's like if you could you know have the movie be interactive and you go well now yeah. now I don't I, you know I don't want I, I don't want Iron Man to do that I want him to go over here instead you know it's like um, the, the the cool thing about role playing is that you can do that, and um and so it's always a challenge, especially when writing something like Rotemark, because Rotemark is a adventure that starts out above ground, but it goes down into a dungeon, and it goes a little bit old school, but we also have a lot of really cool twists and things that people would not expect in there. Um, but we still give uh lots of different possibilities on how people can interact with the dungeon, how people can progress through it. Uh, and the way the story unfolds. 
in how the dungeon can interact with them, which I thought was the coolest thing about Rolt Mark was yes. Um, there was a game a few. Uh, it was a Wii game. It was it was the the Skyward Sword that was the dedicated Zelda on the Wii, and it, to me, it's my least favorite Zelda because it lacks that level of exploration. That in, that mm-hmm. ob- obviously they've blown the, the the doors off of it with the Breath of the Wild. Oh, yeah. But I always thought it was. And then this new one, Tears of the Kingdom, that's my crack. Um, and and yeah, obviously, I've heard, like, I've heard it's really good. <laughs> it's very addictive. And the exploration's always been a part of that series. But that specific game was like one where. The Skyward Sword, the titular Skyward Sword, was one that if you just needed to find whatever the next thing was, it would work almost like a lodestone and like would lead you there. And I thought it just took so much of the, the fun out of that game, which mm-hmm. is the discovery. But it also includes one of my favorite dungeons in all of Zelda, and it's this last dungeon before the big fight, because the dungeon changes on you based on the decisions you make. And what I loved about the Rolt Mark material when I was looking through it and why I was like, well, Jonathan, you should actually get back and find some people to play with. Cause this looks pretty badass. <laughs> is you have this system where not just the dungeon shifts, but the, the monsters shift and the yes. challenges shift. Yes. Talk about that system. And I still don't have your necessary, a, a W origin story. Cause, cause for geeks, us who are listening to this or maybe fans of, but want to maybe become professionals, I would like to learn yeah. how you turn you, your passion of writing and acting and all the things that go into storytelling, how you turned it into AAW games and, and sure. into this group that you have over there. But which, whichever one you want to tackle first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. let's talk about the Roltmork thing first and we'll come yeah. circle back around. Um, awesome. Yeah, so Roltmork, um, I've, I've, I've cut my teeth on lots, lots of writing over the time that we've done AAW games. And so I have um, over a decade of uh, writing adventures professionally and publishing them uh, under my belt by this point. And so when we went forward with Roltmork, uh, one of the interesting things about it was the, the basic, I'll set up the premise of the story. So over about a thousand years ago, there was this ancient culture called uh, Grecia, and they were a semi-advanced civilization. And for whatever reason, I'm not going to give a lot of spoilers away because I want to keep some of that for the story. For whatever reason, a war came to Grecia. And eventually uh, the kingdom started falling and there's this spire. There's a spire out in the land that was once a desolate wasteland. And this spire has a, a mystical water clock that has been constructed and it combines Grecian ingenuity with, uh, with the art of magic. And they basically tapped into that elemental plane of water and they have this great clepsidra, this water clock that shaped like a yin yang symbol, which basically brings together this flow and allows this, this fresh water from the elemental plane of water to spill out and create create rivers that flow through the mountains and gave life back to the land. And Geeks and of so, who are watching this live or maybe recorded on YouTube, I'm going to scroll through the um, Roltmark or the original Kickstarter because it has some of these images on there. And if you search for Roltmark uh, on Kickstarter, you, you'll still be able to find some of the artwork that is in the uh, the campaign. Um and it's up there on the on the Kickstarter campaign for Roll Mork. But it, this is beautiful artwork. I see the yin yang symbol. I see the the basis for a water uh, energy system on the in the, in like these ruins. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, and and so so this is how in the past the part of Grecia uh, they changed this land that was once uh, desolate wasteland. They changed it and brought life back to the land. Um, now since you know a thousand years have passed. Uh, even the king, even Grecia has kind of passed into history. Uh, people have forgotten about the ruins. But then the temple of Vasi, the water goddess, which 
no matter which D&D campaign you're playing in, there's there's always a water god or goddess, right? So you can <laughs> right. so you can you can swap it out if you have your own campaign or you're using an official setting or something like that, like Forgotten Realms. Uh, you can always swap it out. But our our goddess is the goddess of Vossi, and she is the goddess of water and specifically life uh, bringing water. Wait, so is her name the, base? Vossi, yeah. It's um, is it not spelled like? I mean, how do you spell it? Because yeah, V A S I. Okay, it's getting a little closer, Jonathan. <laughs> kidding. I think it's funny. <laughs> I think it's funny that, I mean, if I was an adventurer and I met this god of water named Vasi, you know the smart aleck response I'd be making on based on their name. They would punish yeah. me so badly. They'd drown me. That's why I'm not a good player. Okay, <laughs> yeah, they'd drown you. <laughs> I'd be like, wait a minute, a water god named Vase Vasi. <laughs> I'm already being a heretic. Her, pro- her proxy's bad. already getting angry. No. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I do not want the cult of Ozzy coming after me. <laughs> sorry, Jonathan. So, no, it's okay. So, so then, so what happened was, was uh, you know, all of this was lost to history. Well, the te- the temple of Ozzy has since rediscovered the ruins, and they they want to restore life to this particular uh, part of land because Lake Chonia here has been drying up. Uh, some of the tribes uh, there's this, there's the Chonians, the Bavonians. They've been fighting over basically the last remnants of like civilization as things kind of turn like, you know, almost mad max in medieval times. So, um, so the temple has, has tasked the adventurers to go in and try and glean whatever information they can see what's going on there. See if there's, there's the possibility of not only retrieving artifacts from there, but possibly see if the, the rumors hold true that there is a water clock and that there is a way to bring life back to the land. And so, um, what's unique about this adventure is, some things have happened. And again, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but stagnation has taken hold in the past thousand years and stagnation. So in the adventure, blue is flow, which is see, could be seen as a positive thing. And green is stagnation and, you know, like stagnant water, algae, sure, sure. algae growing in the water, that sort of thing. Clogged um, yeah. 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 And so, so stagnation has taken hold and there, if you look at the cover of either the standard edition or the limited edition, either one you look at, you're going to see some undead on the cover. You know, yeah, the limited yeah. edition is the poster is back there, so you can see. And that's and this is Geekscape is going to hold up the box right that's here. That's the box set. Jonathan yeah. was nice enough to send me, and there's definitely undead on this there's box undead. set. This, this, when this showed up in the mail, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, this is badass, Geekscapist." And and if you want to go to AAW Games, um, it's a, literally at awgames.com. You you can you can order this, you can pre-order it, you can find all uh, some of John's previous games. Uh, I love this. This is handsome as heck, and it's got yeah. tons of cool stuff inside of it. And um, that's the thing. Yeah, we packed it full of all kinds of goodies. The, the games that we make, um, the way that we work is when we create games, we create the kind of games we would want to play. We also take care of all of our customers and all the people that work with us the same way. We treat everyone the same way we would want to be treated. And I kind of think of AW games less like like, you know, a company or LLC that's just in it to make money more. So I have kind of taken it on that in my time here on this planet, however much time I have here, I want to give, I want to give back creatively. And then if are the, you know, when when the company grows, as it grows, um, I want to continue to give back in so many different ways. And, and we will always take care of every customer. So like, say you buy something of ours and you have a problem with it. When you reach out, nine times out of ten, I'm going to be the one you're talking to. I actually still respond to customer service, even though we have people taking care of all different aspects of things on the team. I like to deal with that myself because I want to talk with other people. I want to be down to earth. I want to 
always be there to support you and to treat you just the way I would want to be treated. So if anyone buys one of our products, has a problem with it, you can reach out to us and we will make it right. We will take care of you. We'll never, we're never going to leave you in the lurch. And uh, even if someone has, if you have like a horrible financial problem or something like that, like tell, tell, read it, reach out. You know, we are not going to share it publicly or anything, but tell us what's going on. You know, we, we may be still able to work something out, you know, and make sure that we can get a book to you. I just want to make sure that everyone's able to get the same experience that I got when I was younger, growing up, um, playing, playing role-playing games. I think it's sure. really, really an important, an important part of, of life. Honestly, I think almost if everyone played role-playing games, I think the world would actually be a better place because it allows you to get out of your own role as, as you play in life, whatever as for myself, it might be as a, as a father or a, or a partner or a, or a, um, an owner of a company or whatever, but it allows you to get out of that role and take on the role of someone else and explore sure. that. And so, um, it's, it, it gives you the ability to see perspectives, other people's perspectives, which is, which is always a good thing. Um, and like you said, if you have a lot of people that are, uh, into film and whatnot, I mean, it's a great way to kind of test out, uh, different interactions with different characters and things like that. You can have people roll up characters and, play out a scenario and see, uh, see what kind of ideas come from that. Maybe it'll give you a good idea for, for your script or whatnot. Um, I, I love it. I think it was part of some of my earliest story delving into storytelling. Like I think it's, I think it was imperative that I got into RPGs and then obviously mm -hmm. the video games took over and I started playing RPGs on video games. Um, but the social aspect of it is something that like, I think is the reason for it exploding recently because ultimately that's like everybody in film is talking like that. Everyone, uh, it's like, how do we compete with video games? How do we compete with video games? But I think ultimately tabletop is, has unlocked this, the, the answer. And that is the social aspect of it, It is, know, which is such a, a important skill for anybody to learn. It is, it is totally. And, and I mean, it, if, if I hadn't done table, I mean, I went on from tabletop gaming to become a, um, I was a touring rock musician, signed a label on the East coast. We used to tour the U S and all this kind of stuff. I would honestly have been so shy if I had not done Dungeons and Dragons, I wouldn't have even been able to talk to our fans. But being a dungeon master, I had to be talking all the time and explaining different scenarios and playing different characters. And so it got me out of my skin, you know, I'm kind of an extroverted introvert. So it allowed me to actually get out there and be able to do these kinds of things. And so I, I think it's hugely helpful in life. Um, and I mean, it, it helps with so many different things, right? I mean, I'm not the greatest at math, but it increased, it increased my math abilities tenfold. You know? Yeah. So, you're you're that too. <laughs> I mean, as a DM, like, you know, if that player is lying to you, <laughs> you know, I mean, you want to be able to punish these players. Uh, Andy, <laughs> Ratting, Andy, <laughs> Andy Rattinger, who's watching on Facebook, he's a good buddy of mine. Um, one of my best friends. And he says, I want to play. Uh, well, yeah. Andy, I've got the box right here. Um, but you're going to have to make it up. You, you, we're going to have to get you up to level five and seven. So Geekscape is this rope mark is, is a, a, the, the whole campaign. And I'm sure you can explore the world at a lower level, but this, this, this specific dungeon that has all the cool bells and whistles, there's a, there's a over three hours of music that Jonathan's put as part of this that you can download and play alongside your campaign. It's got tracks for bosses. It's got tracks for exploration. There's also the, the, um, the, the dynamic dungeons, which is so cool. These digital dungeons that are like tabletops. And as you continue uh, in your adventure, you can place your miniatures on the dungeon. These are like, these are like, remember when you went to a bar and as a kid, well, I don't know if you went to a bar as a kid, but you go into these restaurants and you really want to, <laughs> you'd want to play, um, 
you'd want to play that Pac-Man that was like the table and a Pac-Man. Yeah. That's what these dynamic dungeons remind me of is like a video, a top down video game where you could place your, your players and you see the dungeon from the top down and it progresses and it's animated. It's you moving. have, you have that stuff for this. You've yeah. partnered with dynamic dungeons to make it closer to a video game and have a video game element to it where the dungeon itself is animated and moving alongside the story with the dm's control it's amazing i've never played it like that but i want to it's super it fun so cool. um, and, 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 and seriously like tvs have become so affordable now you could grab one probably on like when they have like their amazon prime sale you could probably get you know one for 99 bucks or something you play it on the tv in front of you or are there because I, I heard that there was some pads that you put down like a like an ipad beneath you and you can put your miniatures on it and that can be also your your dungeon you, you could do that but it's become yeah. so simple now and so cheap that honestly you could buy a flat panel tv i recommend about a 40 inch tv mm-hmm. off of amazon uh you plug it in Set it on your uh, on your table, and a lot of these now set it uh, flat on your table. Yeah, flat on your table. Oh man, like as if if it is a table, right? So you set that down. If you want to protect it, you can get some plexiglass at the hardware store and toss it on top. Uh, But honestly, they can actually take quite a beating. We've done it. We've played (laughs) on for a few years, and it's just fine. But what you do, yeah, what you do is you just um, the newer TVs. You can actually just stream stuff to it, so you could stream it from even your phone. You could go to the dynamic dungeons file. Um, you know, go to the dungeon room that they're going to in, hit, hit play and stream it right to the TV over Wi-Fi or hook your computer or whatever up to it, hit play, and then, and then just loop it. And you just loop the video. And so then all of a sudden, now they're moving around this dungeon and there's little critters screen across That's the so screen cool. and there's things moving outside, uh, out, like you know, outside storage. above the dungeon, the, you know, the wind's blowing and bushes are blowing around and you can hear the wind and then. And then you can change to night Those mode. Those sound and effects and everything. To, oh yeah, and you can change to night mode. And when you change to night mode, like t- you could have torches lit, or you could have torches unlit. Because maybe maybe they're on the top of this of the uh, of the spire, sure. and there's these cultists there, and they're sneaking up on them. And it's once dark, I pissed right? off earlier, and or maybe it's day. They go, oh, I want to go in during the day. Yeah, the ones you pissed off earlier, they're they're ready. They're ready. They're maybe they're ready to kill you, right? Drown so me. Yeah. Maybe it's nighttime and not just the fires are lit up, but all the torches are lit up as well, and they're on oh. high alert. You know, so. That so is so every cool. single dungeon room has these different modes. And, and not only do the dungeon rooms have the modes, but all the creatures have flow and stagnation mode. So instead of having just, here's your D&D stat block for this creature, you have a flow weaver. And this flow weaver was originally, the original version of the flow weaver served Vossi. And it kind of looks like a compass and it's made out of water. And it's got these four arms and it's able to, to move through the earth and find new veins, find, find a new well, right? Find right. sources of water. And, um, and now that world mark has become stagnant, there's these uh, flow, these flow, uh, these flow weavers have now, they can change, uh, they're, they've now changed to stagnation. And so they're green and, and hence the life and death and the undead. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, okay. so, so flow, so flow is blue, green, green is stagnation. And in the adventure, you also find things along the way. Like I, I was a huge fan of Chrono Trigger and I loved yeah. how when you're playing Chrono Trigger, Every once in a while, there's like a little glowing speck somewhere. And if you happen to spot it, you go get it. And you go, whoa, this is a cool thing that I can use to like enhance my abilities and whatnot. Well, I kind of took the idea and, and came up with flow and stagnation tokens. And so we have these little glass beads that come with it with the game. And they're blue or green. And so you find these around. And they might be blue or they might be green. And so they have different effects. You can throw them at a trap. You can throw them at a dungeon tile. You can throw them at one of your comrades. You can throw it at a monster. And if it pushes them a- towards stagnation or towards... Exactly. Stagnation or towards flow. And that changes the behavior of the object or the behavior of the room or the behavior yes. of the, of the enemy. 
Yeah, and the creature, the, the whole creature like has a completely, it has all of its stats and they're all in, they're all in black text. But then the things that are stagnation are in green text and the things that are flow are in blue text. And so basically they could throw a, a, a blue token at a creature and if they hit it, that creature now changes the flow mode. It has a completely different array of stats and it now they might be able to use some different ability to more easily affect it, or they might even be able to converse with it. Maybe maybe yeah. they can convince it not to attack them and to back off or maybe become an ally or something like that. And so it allows you to interact. And there's, this is all throughout the dungeon. Every single magic item that we've created in this adventure has a reason to exist. It actually had some reason to exist in the past. And if you can learn about it, you can use it now. It's How not do you learn loot. about it? There's you're a whole just, language. You know, you're not just getting loot in the dungeon. You it, this, this is... It all has a purpose. Yeah. It's like when you play a video game, right? And you find different magic items, different things. Well, this plugs in here and then changes this over here. You know, it's like you can actually progress through the dungeon in different ways, depending on what you use. And, and some challenge there's, there's a spot in there. I'm not going to say which one that can totally be a TPK, a total party kill. It could wipe out your party nearly probably within the first five to six rounds. But if you're using your wits and you use the things that you found prior to that, and you actually paid attention to what those are, you can overcome your adversary uh, by using certain items or certain things. And there's also a whole language. We created a language called Grecia, um, Grecian. And so uh, Grecian, we actually created um, some of the player handouts. This whole box set, even the hardcover, comes with player handouts. Um, we have something called the Lexeme Amulet. And this amulet uh, basically is like a cipher. And so it's got common, which is English. Um, and you've you've also got Grecian on there. And so when you just when you come up to things, you might come up to a door in the ruins. You uncover some ruins and you see here's this doorway. Or you get a player handout. There's a language on there. Can't read it. I don't know what this means. Oh, let's use the Lexeme amulet. You can either either have the player sit there and decipher it live, you know, and do it together um, piece by piece and figure out what it says, which a lot of them are then riddles that they have to solve to progress. Drink in the more Yuhu. Yeah, it could I'm be. Yeah, no, Strawberry Yoohoo, you know, it's, it's, got, <laughs> it's artificially flavored. It's in the fine print, you know. Like Christmas story when, when Ralphie decoded the thing and it said, drink more Yoohoo. No, it's not. <laughs> that, listen, this is a too detailed. I mean, my biggest question for you, Jonathan, is like, are you insane? This is insane. so intense. I am man. insane. There's, like, There's art for every single this? location. There's player art. So like when you go to a, yes. anywhere, anywhere in the dungeon, anywhere outside of the dungeon, they go, I want to go to this place. You go, okay, here. You, you actually have a, a, a piece of artwork for each one of those. And some of those artworks have little clues in them if you look closely. But there's artwork for everyone. Not only Dude. that, there's music for every location. Every That's location what I'm saying. That, yeah. has multiple tracks for that one location. So there's tracks for flow mode. There's flat tracks for stagnation mode in those different places that you go in the adventure. And that's where the three plus hours of music come from. I think it's three and a half hours of music total. Um, and yes, I am insane. <laughs> so how we've long, got how long did how long have you been working on this? Because because I started right this the, right before right COVID. the drow. Like, well, you started before COVID. Yeah, I started before and, COVID. Wow. And we just we're just now releasing it. So yeah, it it took some time, you know. But but luckily, I had I had COVID to hash. <laughs> luckily, I had COVID. No, come on, you can't. No, say no, that. no, no. I mean, <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm yeah, saying yeah. luckily, I, I, I had lockdown. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> no, having COVID was no fun. <laughs> Because I got the long COVID, let me tell you. I, I know, is that right? I supplements that will help you recover from that. But oh, okay. man, we got to get you back to flow. <laughs> we got to throw something at you. Flow mode. <laughs> throw some flow tokens at me. Can you, can you, could you turn enemies into allies? Potentially? Yeah. With, okay. It, it, not it, not, it's not something... only that, they can come back 
later on when you're fighting some of the bosses and you're like, oh shit, we're going to we'll die. Fight. We're definitely yeah. going to die. And all of a sudden, boom, you, uh, you took, you took an enemy who was stagnant and you flowed them and they yeah. are here to help. And, and they might come back. They might come back from earlier. They've been hanging off, you know, floating around somewhere and they're going to come back and say, Hey, I'm ready to help. <laughs> Dude, you saved me from my stagnation and you brought, you know, it's, that's yeah. awesome. Dude. Okay, so it took you all these years. Let's talk about the A. Let's talk about the origin story. Let's talk about AAW. And can, can I, I, before we jump there, yeah, can I throw one more thing that? Yeah, is your, yeah. Whatever. You the want. other crazy thing about this, and this is important for uh, people that are into stories and film and whatnot, is when you play Dungeons and Dragons, it's almost always impossible to try and get the backstory into the heads and hands of the players because they're only seeing things from their player, their characters' perspectives they don't understand the importance of what was here before. So in this story, at a certain point, you're whisked back through time. You are then handed pre-generated characters. You don't get a choice of what you get. You're handed a pre-generated character that already has artwork and all of its stats, and you are now playing a priest of Vossi 1,000 years in the past. And Your now soul you is like transported back into another body. Exactly, and you get to experience what happened back then that caused all of this to occur and then go back to your previous selves and with and still retaining some of that knowledge, kind of like uh, uh, inner inner light uh, on Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek. Does it come with a flute? Hey, you remember the flute? Of course. How many how many lights are there? Of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's well, awesome. I'm a huge TNG fan. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. Then you got to talk to my wife Heidi because Margot, who played Picard's. Uh, a wife in that episode inner light is the one that, that I know pretty well because really? uh, we, when we went to Star Trek Vegas, it, Heidi was helping Mark. I think, believe her name is Margo. Sorry. Geeks gave us sorry. Trekkies. Um, the actress who played Picard's wife in that episode in the life that was a, only a memory, right? Mm-hmm. When he got yanked into that life that wasn't real um, when he was a prisoner in that memory, uh, and lives an entire life on that. Uh, the woman who played his wife, uh, Heidi, was a friend of, and is actually in Heidi's series, um, Stockton Lavar about Lavar Burton, and then of course Lavar Burton. I was his moderator at LA Comic Con and Geekscape. Oh, the, I told awesome. the story to you on Geekscape. Like, it was good to connect with Lavar at LA Comic Con awesome. and, and moderate his panel. But Heidi's birthday in April this past year. Who comes to the birthday? Lavar Burton. And then it comes oh, that's out. so rad! It was so sweet. But Inner Light is the is the is the one I know the best because of that relationship. And so, if you throw me, if you throw me most Star Trek references that aren't Brave New World, uh, Strange New Worlds, and like like the Picard season three and the stuff that like recently, or you know, not a lot of Star Trek references are going to work on me. But but Inner Light definitely will. And I love that episode because there's a, such a tragedy to it. Because that life wasn't real. That Picard was a prisoner. Well, and the, world, the world's now long since mm-hmm. gone, and and all those beautiful. people are all those people are dead. You know, and, and, and all you, he has and, left is the flute. Right? Can you change history when you go back? I, I'm not going to spell your game. I'm not going to spell Geekscape. Is you're going to go to awgames.com and you're going to look up Roltmort, <laughs> and, and and you're going to come on now. I'm not going to do that. No, no, we're not going to spell any more Roltmort. We're going to talk about Roltmort, but I don't want to spoil any more stories. Geekscape is. I think y'all want to play it. Um, yeah, you want to you want to enjoy the story and let yeah. it unfold for yourselves because oh, that this. that's the whole fun of it, right? And that and that's what's cool is you get to decide what's happening next, right? Geekscape, us look at this thing. And again, like I said earlier, like it's start. It's four to six characters you're gonna want to play with. 
uh, you know, you want four to six characters. So that's on top of the DM. And then you want to start levels five to seven and you'll end up concluding around levels eight and 11. Is there stuff in here that I can do to build up to levels five or seven? Or what else would you suggest from AEW games so th- that, I, that yeah. I get to get me to levels five through seven? So this is the cool and kind of crazy thing is we have an entire campaign setting called the Aventure campaign setting. And it also ties into Rollmark. Um, our campaign setting is 100% free. We don't charge anything for it. You can just go to awgames.com and click on Aventure and dive in and get anything you need to play in our world. Uh, in that, there's something called Aventure Adventures. In our Aventure Adventures, there's all of kind of the backstory of this whole region, the conflict going on, the different locations you can visit, um, little mini dungeons, short adventures that you can play. It's all right there. So like if you go to setting right there, um, mm-hmm. you'll see the you'll see the world map. Um, and so that all of those locations on that world map, which if you click that, um, you can download that for free. Uh, all the locations that are in and around Roltmark are are there are there for you. In so Geek Saves, go, I'm, go I'm doing that right it. now. Like I'm at adventureaweek.com on the main menu. The, the, it's the second thing. It's Aventure. And then I'm seeing all these downloadable items. Um, you know, I'm sure you can donate to support AW. That'd be amazing. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff. And of course, Geekscape is they're selling these rope mark, these really handsome rope mark sets and, um, and everything else on their homepage. There's tons of stuff over here at, uh, awgames.com to like get you rolling and, and get you moving. Uh, the rise of the drow. That's the thing that, that really hit for you. Am I being wrong or, or no, you're right? That's, that? that's by far our best seller. That, how'd that, how'd that come it about? still sells incredibly well. Talk to um, me about that. Sure. Yeah. So you're talking to, uh, earlier, you're saying, uh, talking about people's, uh, you know, this might be your first comic and th- mm-hmm. therefore it becomes your favorite comic. There is something to be said about, your first introduction to games and how certain mm-hmm. things become nostalgic, whether it's a video game or role-playing game or what have you, everyone you has R.A. Salvatore. Actually, it wasn't for me. It, wasn't? it was no, it was um, the shrine of the Quotoa and descent into the under underdark. The, uh, the, mo- the basically the second edition It's still AD&D first edition, but the second iteration of that adventure module. Um, somehow I got my hands on that through all of the stuff that the aunt and uncle gave my friend. And I, there was just something about the Underdark that really, really appealed to me, especially the drow. I, I, I just really, something resonated with me. I love the idea of something. Uh, I love the idea of caverns and of delving yeah. deep into caverns and not knowing what's there. There's something, you know, there's just a mystery about the unknown because, you know, fear is fear of the unknown. And so to really p- put fear in the, in the hearts of your players is, is, is something pr- pretty fun to do as a dungeon master. You know, if you can elicit those kind of emotions from your players, then you've done your job right. So we really took to the Underdark in a serious way, and we've produced um, a whole bunch of content. So not only do we have Rise of the Drow, which originally started as um, as like a trilogy, and then later had, as a part of a Kickstarter, we had a prologue and an epilogue. So now it goes levels one through 20 with an entire campaign setting and adventure in that book, which is just a massive book. It's about 550 pages. It has uh, a bestiary, the campaign setting, and the adventure in it. And again, levels one through 20. Uh, and uh, it is by far our most popular book. Pretty much every, if you look at the reviews, almost every single person gives it five star reviews. But it really, um, it really kind of pays homage to a lot of the books that we read back in the day, and a lot of the 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 the, the creepy 
unknown things in the underdark and really what's down there, right? And on top of that, we created something called the Survivalist Guide to Spelunking. And that includes rules for exploring the underdark and even has rules for mining, for camping underground, for uh, foraging and hunting underground, uh, even butchering your strange prey that you capture and whatnot. Like what's down Um, there. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of weird stuff. That's really cool. And then we have underworld races and classes. So you can create, if you want to play a funglet and you want to be this big mushroom dude, or you want to play (laughs) a a hooling and you want to be a flying Batman type creature and you want to go, I am Batman. You can do that, you know? So. I uh I was a Margaret Wise Tracy Hickman Dragonlance person. Cool. So I, I was on the other side of a lot of this stuff from the Forgotten Realms and then from the RAs from the Salvatore stuff. Um but I love that this is all coming back and that you know I I I saw the uh the D movie twice. I thought it was incredible and I and I hope that it brings in so many people to this. Uh young people. I hope it brings in a lot of younger people into this. And um I, and how many people have been telling you? I've I've gotten this a lot since the D and D movie's been out. And your name's Jonathan. Have you gotten a lot of oh Jonathan? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it was really weird because I, I had stepped out for just a second because my daughter, right before the movie started, had to use the bathroom. Of course, sure. And then I come back and I'd taken my whole gaming group and everybody helped me playtest Ropemark out and give them all their books. And we're all sitting there with our Ropemark books in the movie theater. And so I had gone. I came back and then I hear like Jonathan, Jonathan. <laughs> A character in the intro, oh, yeah. Oh, Jonathan. What's going on? Yeah. I go, how did I get in this, this adventure, too? A seven-year-old kid came and was like, oh, Jonathan, when he found out my name. And I'm like, oh, that's a D&D reference. That's that's amazing that you know that. And it makes me happy that younger generations are getting this um, introduction to Dungeons & Dragons in ways that are maybe not a video game, not so de- not You know, it's like uh, we're finally getting good movies good D movies yeah, yeah. I, um, I agree i thought the movie they did a really good job of not of putting in just enough forgotten realms lore keeping it close enough to the game but having fun with it and i know some people complained but i like to walk into things with like fresh mindset and go this is a whole new story i need to look at this as this if it's a standalone it's not related to anything else and just go for the ride and and i, I thought i thought they did a pretty pretty good job i thought they've done a lot better job than what had been done in the past for sure uh, yeah, yeah. When, when, when you started out jonathan as a writer tell me how much of the internet was involved or was this stuff that like as a young dm as a young person pursuing the design of gaming like what, what age did that happen and what what period of your life was that like a high school thing that you were doing in college did it take the form of maybe just printing zines did it take the form like how do you start yeah. publishing games that's one thing i know nothing about Yes. So, and here's the thing is that I don't think this is just gaming. I think, I think it's, it could be anything. I mean, so anyone in your audience that wants to do their and you own did thing, it as a musician, you did DIY as a musician. I did. Like, I you're did. doing I, punk, I then you're, record. you're going to like, I've been telling geeks gave us every now and then I'll, I'll mention like, stuff. So like when we used to book punk shows for like book your own fucking life in the maximum yeah. rock and roll zines and all that stuff. But like, it's uh, the DIY culture. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, the thing is, is, and yeah, this was before the internet, but usually what I figured out from a young age was if you want to do something and you really want to learn about it, just do it. Like no one's stopping you. You don't have to go to college for it. I mean, it, college could help you for sure. Um, but nobody's stopping you from, uh, from conquering your dreams. I mean, the only person stopping you is yourself. So anything you want to do, even if you don't have any money, I mean, when I, uh, trust me, I, I did, I did, 
we didn't have much money when I was growing up. You know, it's like my dad sold shoes for a living. So <laughs> we, we, we didn't have, you know, we, we had, I wasn't starving or anything, but you know, we didn't have a lot, to, a lot of money. And so like, I couldn't even buy Dungeons and Dragons books. I'd have to borrow them from friends, but, or go to the library, but there's always options out there. There's always options to learn and to teach yourself. And if you're really, really passionate about something and you keep going, you will get there. The key to it is that when other people criticize your stuff, whether it's negative criticism or constructive criticism, to it's really hard not to take it personally and take it emotionally. But the important part of that is to look at it, say thank you to the person that gave you that, take all of it and use it. Use it for fuel, use it for fire, use it to better what you do and better yourself and what you know, and just keep advancing yourself. One of the early reviewers um, who is in Zeitgeist, he's reviewed over 5,000 tabletop role-playing games. Well, guess what? Now he works for AEW Games because he was the first guy to kind of knock me off my, uh, off my little geek throne when I first started writing. Um, and, he, and he just wrote a scathing review of one of my adventures and it knocked me down for one day. And then I read, I read it a few times and I go, you know what? He's right. There's something here. He's, he's totally right. I need to change this. And so um, I kept tweaking and kept growing, kept changing, just never gave up and kept going in that direction. And eventually it started, you know, we came uh, rise of the drought. We came to Kickstarter and boom, like people really liked it. And then from there, we just kept growing and kept growing. And um, one of the biggest things out there is as long as you're true to yourself, you continue to do what you love and you make sure and connect with your audience and not on a superficial way, but in a real way, because we, at the end of the day, Everybody's doing the best they can. Um, and we, I don't, I don't know, just, just be yourself, get out there and be passionate and don't give up. And when you do give up, give up for a day and then come back. What, get yourself a the, coffee or something to amp you up, turn on your favorite music and get going again. I mean, those things sting. Those things can put you on your keister. Oh yeah. And um, especially if you spent years working on something. For sure. For <laughs> sure. And I mean, I have the advantage of being too dumb to realize that I'm messing up and just keep going, but it's a joke. But the truth is um, the subjugation of an ego and being able to get past that, you know, mm -hmm. you did something that I thought was pretty wonderful in that they weren't criticizing you out of malice. They were, they were, they were criticizing you out of mainly an objective perspective. And that one that you wisely saw, like value in and be like, mm -hmm. Oh, th this, this is, you took them from stagnation to flow. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. What'd you throw at them? Um, what, wh what did that take? Where do you, where do you learn from? Where do you learn this stuff? You know, not that, not that being in a rock band doesn't, doesn't check your ego, but like an indie rock band, you know, with touring and the hardships there, like we've had lots of them on the show, but yeah. like who, who in your life or where'd you learn that lesson? Well, actually, you, you did key into something there. Uh, being in a rock band, um, our, we started getting pretty popular. We started getting, we had a video on MTV2 and MTV3. What's the name of this um, band? It's, it was called Los Burbanks. It was rock in okay. English and Espanol. Um, okay. we, started, we started touring and we started getting more popular, um, especially in places like um, Los, Ange Los Angeles, Texas, Miami, New York City. The, um, and There's big Latin populations. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so we started getting more popular and I noticed something happening uh, to all of us. And it took me a while to go through my part of it. But I find I finally left the band when things got to the point where um, it seemed like the objective where people lost sight of the whole original reason we started out doing this. It's kind of like you start off on the quest 
for the quest for good and we shall vanquish evil from the land or whatever it is, your quest, you know, and you go off to do your quest and then pretty soon people are, you know, I want more gold or bring me more wine. You know, it's like once things start going down that road and, and, and drugs come into play to the point where you're kind of like, is this yeah. really like, what's more important to you guys? You know, you, I don't know. It just got to a point where, where it was no longer about the music. And I feel like um, whenever you do anything, like you should do it fully for what it's, what it's worth is. Right. It's like, I feel like life is very short as, as humans on this planet. It's like that, you know, compared to a tree, we're just a, we're just a blink of an eye. Yes. Um, there's no sense in getting caught up in our ego because we're going to be gone from here before too long and, and getting caught up in your ego is going to slow you down. It's actually going to, um, it's going to slow down your path of where you want to go and what you'd like to do um, before your time has been extinguished here. It's so, a destructive force. It's, it's incredibly destructive. Yeah. And, and honestly, what really, a, a lot of the things, a lot of life lessons that I needed came from way back in the day. And it's interesting you mentioned LeVar Burton, which I'd like to pick your brain because I actually ha have a couple of ideas for things that I want to do to give back um, to kind of the, the culture of, um, of education and reading and, positivity that, that that I grew up with and reading rainbow was a big part of that. And I was a huge backer of that Kickstarter that LeVar did. And I've been a follower of LeVar's for a long time. And, um, and so when I was younger, yeah, reading rainbow, uh, Mr. Rogers, you know, talking about your emotions, not being scared, like, Oh, I'm, uh, I'm a man, but yeah, guys cry, guys go through hardship. Why can't we talk about our emotions? You know, Just everyone like, goes through these emotions. It's okay to talk about your feelings. Like this is not a scary, it doesn't need to be scary. Right. How old are your kids? Uh, I've got a, I've got, so I have one biological child and uh -huh. three semi-adopted steps. Sure. So I've got, sure. so I've got ages 11, 17, 21 and 23. Okay. So, but 11 is pretty is, is your biological son or child. biological daughter. Yeah. Daughter. Um, what was there for them? You know, cause I don't know what's out there. I don't have kids. And like, all I'm hearing is a bunch of cocoa melon from my kids. We had that. We had them on the show. We had those dudes. We had Christian from the Aquabats. That's who that is. Oh, that's awesome. Yo Gabba Gabba nice. is Christian from the Aquabats. That's awesome. That's their thing. And so we had Christian from the Aquabats on. I forgot about that. They had the Aquabats on there before. Yeah, that was that. Well, Yoga Abigail was created by Christian from the Aquabats and all those yeah, guys. I didn't, so I, didn't, awesome. I didn't realize that until you Isn't said that. that. Amazing? Like, okay, now I get it. <laughs> yeah, that's why you were like, why is this rule? <laughs> but, but like the stuff that taught empathy, like Mr. Rogers and, and mindfulness mm -hmm. and that stuff, like, is that still out there? I don't know. I mean, you, you, I don't you know if it's still out world. there, but, but, but I, I want to bring it back. You know, mm -hmm. um, I see one of the biggest problems we actually have right now is that everybody's so caught up in themselves that nobody can see from each other's, each other's perspectives. And I think anyone, if you were, if you were born as this other person you see walking down the street, if you lived their life, if you had their parents and you grew up where they grew up in the school they went to or whatever they did, you would be them. Or if you just so beckoned yourself into them for a day. Yeah. So if we, if we keep building walls and, lighting torches and carrying pitchforks, it's only going to hurt ourselves. Um, the, the only way to heal is to create bridges. And that includes acceptance of everyone for who they are. And but when, it's, when everybody it's a very has their own channel, okay. I mean, but like when, I, I mean, I know that we, I start, I'm the, the hypocrite talking to you right now, sort of the Geekscape network, but I like to think that we have 30 shows and Jonathan's show, Geekscape, the flagship show, isn't the most popular show on the network 
by a bit. Like we've created some really cool shows that people are really mm -hmm. into. Um, when everybody can just create their own channel when they can create their own yeah. TikTok and become their own like voice and create their own like uh, echo chamber. Yeah. Uh, how do you do that? How do you start to, to, to see people living, you know, does that make sense? Like, I feel if anything, yeah. those things create the blinders you would put on like a racehorse to not, to, to not see anywhere but forward. They do. But I mean, but that's, that's a, um, I mean, I think, I think in, in that, in those regards, it's kind of, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in that, um, you know, it's, it's just like the, the stories that we write, the stories that we tell, like, um, I have the, the writer's journey back here. I have, yep. um, I have, uh, what are my other books? Um, the, uh, I'm trying to think here, like the power of myth, you know, yeah, um, yeah. uh, uh, God, I can't think right now. It's fine. But, but it's, but, I mean, ultimately like I'm worried that like we're in such a, a singular self-focused culture at this point, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and it, obviously it's shown itself to be tribalism in a political landscape. And sometimes in the geek landscape, we got tribalism when you have things like uh, gatekeeping, mm -hmm. because God forbid someone who's not like you, as far as gender or this and that, come and enjoy the same mm -hmm. stuff that made you identify the way you identify. Like that's a threat to your identity that somebody who identifies differently than you is a, it, it appreciates the same fandom you do. Like, what the hell is that? Like, mm -hmm. I, I worry about these blinders that are put on. That, that people are creating their own echo chambers, you know, like, I don't know how to combat this stuff. All I can do is talk to people every week. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the thing is the, the key, the secret is um, to not get caught up in all the negativity. The secret is to keep on your path, keep being positive and keep, and then spread that, you know, because uh, all any anger or hatred or all of these negative emotions, those things spread and they make all of our lives worse. People it, affects, it affects all of us. You start going out and driving and people are being aggressive and cutting mm -hmm. you off and driving angry, you know? What if, just what if we started being a little bit kinder to each other? What if you started saying, go ahead, you know? Like that's how it used to be around where I grew up and stuff too. It's like, just just, just try and, and, and open up a little bit, give back a little bit. Like if everybody gives a little and is a little bit kinder to everyone, we could live in a peaceful place. And the internet is a relatively new invention for us. And what's happened is, you know, it's, we've kind of just gone full force, dived into the pool, you know, without checking to see how deep the water is. And uh, we've got a lot of learning to do, you know, what, you I mean, hurt. what if we found out we were all, if we were all just different parts of the same beam? Well, you know, we are, we're, 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 we are, we're, we're advanced. We're like evolved parasites on a molten rock spinning through vacuum. Like this should not be happening, but exactly. But, and know, aliens are flying by going, what the hell is going on? That don't, place? don't want to touch that one. But when you're, when you're online or when you're in these spaces and you get hurt, you recoil as you always would. And you recoil to the safety of your own perspective in your own world i mean we are we are going so into this john like this is just this, this is welcome to geekscape we're like oh, what the hell am i talking about now but, but i like yeah. these conversations can we before we break up i want to talk about some of the other stuff you got going on geekscape For is sure. like we got to have jonathan back and jonathan if you ever make it down to san diego well let's link up if you make it down to la let's link up um yeah. you you've got all sorts of stuff going on beyond this root mark this uh, Roltmark box set that's so handsome that you have over here at awgames.com and, and all this that Geekscapers you can add, you can you can hang out with. Um, you are creating a brand new 
game, which I got, we got to talk to you, the two hour late fee guys here at Geekscape, uh, to have you on their show because this thing, Geekscape, is it's they have a new playtest link that we're going to share to you with you guys. Um, when this is done, follow us on our socials, just search for Geekscape, follow us on our socials. You can look for Jonathan London, find me on my on socials, I'll share it too. Um, this new game is called Treasure of Falcon, Falcon Cove, and it's a playtest link in the whole RPG to me. And the way you pitched it too, it sounds like the Goonies. It sounds like there's a role playing mm-hmm. game that feels like the Goonies 80s adventure throwback retro stuff, a little bit of maybe Stranger Things. We'll see what's in there, but it's adventure, right? Yeah. And that, and that's the fun thing about it is that we're we're doing something that I don't even know if anyone's ever even done this before in Dungeons and Dragons, but we're taking you to the Oregon coast in the 1980s. And we're taking you to locations that actually this all started as a project um, of of a great storyteller named Stephen Rawl, who lived on the Oregon coast and and grew up in Seattle, but would travel down there uh, every weekend for the summers. And they had a small cabin down that way. And he started to make up these stories. And those stories began to blend with urban legends, with actual true tales of pirates and treasure and shipwrecks. And even the Goonies was actually part of it. It was inspired and it was filmed down in these same areas. Um, it, it, the Goonies house is in Astoria, Oregon. Yeah. And then um, down in Cannon Beach is where you see like the big, the big rocks out there when, they're, when they see a uh, one-eyed Willie ship sailing off yeah. in the distance. Yeah. You know? And so what we decided to do was to, to take all of that fun stuff that we love about the Goonies and everything and all the stuff that we grew up with, all the 80s um, from E.T. to Strang- you know, Stranger Things obviously came out much later, but hearkening back to the 80s, because who doesn't love the 80s? It was like a time be- before the Internet when I don't know when stuff was pretty rad, like pretty, pretty damn good music. And you could ride around on bikes with your friends and play Dungeons and Dragons in the basement. You know, and your parents didn't know where you were because they couldn't call you and track you on your cell phone. I mean, some parents pretty, didn't even care. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they're like, get out of here. <laughs> they're doing I left a key. I left the key. There's microwave dinners. What else am yeah, I supposed to do here? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> totally. But yeah, so so Treasure Falcon Cove is really interesting in that it's a kids on bike style adventure, but it's for Dungeons and Dragons. And the way that the way that works, uh, without giving away too many spoilers, is that basically. You are playing, you actually are playing kids. So you roll up your kid character and there's rules on how to play kids and what you're good at. Like someone might be good at skateboarding. Someone might be good at arcade games or, you know, or uh, electronics and things um, or beachcombing perhaps. And you create these different characters and then you go and explore the Oregon coast in the eighties. And these different events start to unfold. You go to, you go actually a lot of it starts off in the local comic shop and you go there and you're playing a D&D game and the, the comic shop owner is your dungeon master. And he starts to run a game for you guys, but then the local bullies show up and all hell breaks loose. But pretty soon you find out that there's some kind of strange artifact that's been out in the ocean for some time and it's been building in power. And when this thing goes off, something really strange happens and, per- and all of a sudden you have your awakened personas, which is your own dungeons. You're, the, you're playing the these kids. You're playing as, yeah. Those kids have Dungeons Dragons characters that you actually get to play in the game. So you're playing your kids playing the Dungeons Dragons characters. Then your awakened personas come into play. And now the kids can transform into their Dungeons Dragons characters and go along the Oregon coast and fight all of the strange monsters that start appearing and figure out what the heck is going on. <laughs> Geeks give us, I want to say that the best way to find all this stuff is awgames.com there's a discord so if you go to awgames.com slash discord i'm sure you can find it over on the website um you can join the discord it's a pretty avid 
um, community. And then there's a playtest link to Treasure of Falcon Cove where you can help uh, Jonathan and company playtest this next game that's coming down the pipe. Uh, obviously, if you listen to this and you're like, I got to get my hands on Rultmork or you got to get your hands on Rise of the Drow, um, that's the place, AW Games. Um, if you just want to hang out for free and play some stuff, like I said, um, there's some Aventir games that are downloadable maps, downloadable uh, looks like character sheets or all sorts of stuff that you can get up and rolling with your friends. Let's say that you don't want to put get, go through the creative, you know, uh, sometimes it's hard to be a DM. Sometimes it's hard to come mm-hmm. up with all this stuff. Well, Jonathan and company have all that stuff covered for you over here in this Aventir section of AW Games. You can go and just start playing some of these campaigns and, and some of this material that's already been created for you. I love this relationship, man. I love that you're on the show, man. You're a good dude, Jonathan. Not all Thanks, Jonathan. Jonathan. You are too. Thanks for having me. <laughs> we're we're this two good Jonathan dudes. There's a lot of these. Jo- we need to get another Jonathan here. What the heck? Hey, get in here. <laughs> um, this episode could have gone four hours, but we're not going to do that to you, Geekscapers. You got other stuff to do, you got other podcasts to listen to. Um, and I really appreciate that y'all listen to this one. And um, if you enjoyed it, share it with your friends. Um, you know, see you in San Diego, all that stuff. And again, like Jonathan, what's the best way to reach you? There's obviously awgames.com, but if people just want to like be like, you just hey, I reach wanna... out and chat. I mean, honestly, just shoot me an email, Jonathan at awgames.com, and I'll probably regret sharing that later, but you know, yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. Yeah, no, it's the reach same out. over here. Jonathan again. Reach, reach out and say hello. <laughs> reach, reach out and say hello. But Discord, Discord's great. We have a really good community there. Um, people love to share stuff. They even make sometimes their own custom maps and things like that. And we just let people go crazy and share whatever they want to share. And, and, and the community continues to build. Um, also we have mini dungeon Mondays every Monday. We come up with a one shot adventure, absolutely free on our website. Uh, comes with a map pack with GM player and VTT maps. So you can grab that too. That's incredible. Geekscape is there's tons of stuff for, to get you in the tabletop. I love We're it. We're giving it away. I love it. Literally. I love it. And if I didn't love the community contribution aspect of what we're doing, I wouldn't have started Geekscape way back when and have it grow and all this. And I wouldn't be seeing you Geekscape in at Comic-Con in, in three weeks and all that. Cause oh, man, I'm I super, go. super excited about all this. Um, Jonathan, um, we'll hang out when you're in LA or, or I'm in, you know, one of these cons or in Seattle and, and we'll, we'll just keep this going, man. I, yeah. I love this. This is great. Um, Sounds great. Hit, hit you up soon in Geekscape is of course, share this with your friends and keep going and visit awgames.com and all that. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Adios. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.